Welcome back to Witness Podcast. We're here with episode three with Clay Luter. He's here to give us a little bit about his story. That's a story a lot of parents have nowadays about how to handle it and how to get back to God after you've suffered a big trauma in your family. Um, we're excited to have Clay here and we can't wait to get into his interview. Okay, we're here with Clay. He is a uh, church member of Freedom Church over here in Bossier City, Louisiana. And uh, he's got a great testimony today, uh, like Peyton said in the introduction, on you know asking God why. So, Mr. Clay, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. All right. Uh, you know, I guess we, you know, just like any other kid growing up church family grew up in church uh my parents are extremely extremely faithful and they're my dad's probably one of the greatest men i've ever known uh it got to a point i guess early on in my late teens early 20s i guess you know i i guess it's kind of i wanted to do my own thing you know I, that's probably where my testimony actually begins. You know, I don't have one of those. I was, you know, bad childhood or whatnot. I mean, it was a great childhood. And then as I got into my teens, late teens, early 20s, I wanted to do me. Started drinking real bad. Started partying real hard. Uh, chasing after girls and, and whatnot. And then my brother, my twin brother at that matter, uh, started in the ministry. Uh, him and another buddy of his uh, started this Bible study. And every Tuesday night, I'd get a text. I just started. I just started with the railroad. This was in '98. Uh, so back then, starting out on the railroad, you got a lot of free time because you're a trainee, so you get days off. And so I had coming up on two days off, and my brother. After the 50th or 60th time to invite me to these Bible studies, I was like, you know, okay, whatever. So I called a buddy of mine who I was actually headed to his house to drink, to, to, to live it up a little bit. And I said, you know, my brother being as bigger than me, you know, I'm going to come over there and drag you to this Bible study. So I reluctantly went, you know, I had that, I'm going to go, but I'm not getting nothing out of this, oh, yes. you know. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I figured if I'd stayed away from the church scene or church in general, that God couldn't see me, you know, because I wasn't in the light. I wasn't in his past. So as long as I kind of stayed in the shadows, I was doing what I was doing. Nobody was getting hurt. And uh, so I went reluctantly. Of course, I knew everybody, went to high school with everybody. Uh but the only person I didn't know was Rebecca. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is, I didn't even know her name. Told my brother, looked at my brother square in the eye. I said, I'm, I'm going to marry that girl. From I the said, first meeting. From the first, I mean, I didn't even know her name. She didn't know who I was. She knew I was Brad's brother, but she didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And you met her at the Bible study? I, first time I ever saw her. And uh, my brother's like, no, you're not. 
You're not going to marry her. I'm like, well, why not? I'm, you know, a good-looking guy. I can, you know, he's like, well, for one, she she goes to church. You don't go to church. She doesn't go to bars. You go to bars. She doesn't drink. You drink. You hang around with basically riffraff. She hangs around with good Christian folks. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to show you. So the next night I was in church, front row, making a, you know, I put my God face on. I was sitting there doing the walk, the dog and pony show, but I was doing it for her, Mm -hmm. putting on that facade, that fake facade. Mm -hmm. And then, and I guess, you know, four or five weeks went by and she just would not after, you know, I'd try to talk to her, nothing no words it was hey how you doing nothing would get nothing in return so i was at my dad's house one day and i told my dad i said man uh i just can't she's not responding i mean i'm going to church i'm doing this i'm doing this i'm putting all my ducks in a row but she's not doing this and he goes well you're going to church for the wrong reason Mm -hmm. i mean you Maybe that's who God has in store for you. Maybe that's the one person that God made for you. But he's not going to give you a gift if you're not worthy of that gift. Mm-hmm. And right now you're not worthy of that gift. And that kind of blew, I kind of took a step back and was like, wow, okay. Well, if this is what God wants from me and I have to do this and this and this to get that gift, then I'll do it. Because that, I mean, she was just absolutely beautiful. So I, you know, right then and there, I called buddies of mine and said, hey, look, I'm not ever coming back over there. Uh, I'm going back down this path. This is the path that God has for me that I'm going to chase after God in order to see what he has in store for me. Okay. And then the next, I think it was that Sunday that I made that decision. You know, I was sitting on my dad's back patio alone. And I just basically said, okay, God, if this is the path, this, if this is where I'm headed, this is where I'm headed, but I'm going to follow you. You know, I was a Christian at that time. I believed in God. I was saved. But just like every other kid, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And that's not always the path that God wants you on. And God's going to do whatever it takes to get you back on that path, whether it's introducing you to your wife or or uh, a girlfriend who will become your wife. Mm-hmm. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was the one that God had for me. Mm-hmm. And I was going to chase after him until something happened. Well, that next following Sunday, I was sitting on the front row. I had my, you know, brochure or you guys brochure the little flyer they give out in front of church you know so i was looking up the scripture so i wouldn't look like one of those dummies just you know thrumming through pages trying to find it because i wanted to mark it and then i heard hey is this seat taken and i looked up and it was rebecca and i was like wow okay all right and then from that moment on we started dating and i think it was we dated for six months was married for engaged for six months was married right out of year from the time i met her mm-hmm. so i mean that that was kind of like god showing off yeah. a little bit right there saying okay well and then things went on you know we had a daughter like 
in 03, got married in 99, so our daughter was born in 03. And uh, I think in 2009, he wasn't finished showing off, and we had our little gift of Liam, which was a big shocker to everybody. And uh, we got into church. We were still heavy in church, and our faith was growing strong. Uh, you know, we just like any married couple with kids, you got your ups and downs and, mm-hmm. you know, your bumps in the road, but there was not nothing you can't get over. And then I think Liam was three and Caitlin was 10. And that's when the devil decided, hey, y'all are getting way too close to God. Y'all are getting too close for my comfort. And I'm going to try to destroy this happy little home. And through our neighbor, he did exactly that. And that's when Caitlin was sexually assaulted. It's a hard thing to even verbalize, you know, and the tears and the emotions that are wrapped up in that are are real, and they're and they're okay to have. They're okay to have. It's tough. I mean, you you deal with that. Mm-hmm. It's a living nightmare for a parent, you know, to mm. to go through. It that. is. I'll I'll never forget the day. I mean, it's. I think me and me and Liam were getting ready. I was loading Liam up because he wanted to go with me to uh, where I was going to go get some dinner. And uh, Caitlin was the next door swimming with a friend of hers, which happened to be our, another neighbor. And they are still very, very close friends. And uh, she came running in the door. <clears throat> Excuse me, come running in the door. And I was like, hey, baby, everything all right? And she didn't say nothing to me. She just walked right in the door. And then I said, oh, okay, you know, wasn't nothing. I mean, daughter didn't talk to her dad. There's nothing that out of the ordinary. Yeah. Uh, and then I was, I'd just finished buckling Liam up, and Becca opened the door and said, hey, you need to come in here and talk to Caitlin. And I said, oh, okay, well, hold on. And I went to go get Liam out of the car, and she's like, I'll take care of him you come talk to your daughter. So right then I was like, okay, something's going on. And then she walked in and I walked in and she was sitting on the couch and her feet were in her chest, her knees were in her chest and she was just shaking. And she's like, it's not my fault. I didn't do nothing wrong. It's not my fault. And I was like, what, what, what? And then that's when she, she told us, I mean, like literally seconds after it happened. That's good. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, just the, air I mean you're you literally can see your whole world just go just crash down in front of you because the one thing as a parent that you try to keep your kids from is that yeah. and here it is in your house I say it's good because she, she had told you about it absolutely so absolutely that's and then I, I tossed my wife the phone I said you call whoever you want to call and I was headed out the door and then it was just something in the back of my mind said, don't, don't go down there. I know you want to, but don't go back inside, take care of your family. 
and it didn't dawn on me at the time that that you know it could have been possibly God sure you know I, I don't want to speculate but just something just kept me from going down there yeah and uh not that I didn't want to I mean because every father in the country every father that's ever been a father if anything happens with my kid I'm going to jail that's but and then guys at work, I tell guys at work that, and they're like, oh, I'd kill him. I'd kill him. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. I mean, because you really don't have a clue what you will do until you're put in that situation. Yeah. Because I said that. When I first found out I was having a girl, I was like, oh, you know, putting on my dad my dad badge on, you know, something happens to my daughter. Yeah. You know, here comes the guns. That's right. But you really don't. I mean, it's a buddy of mine told me it's far better to take care of your kids outside of jail yeah and then i called my dad you know me and my dad were talking on the phone and i felt like just the biggest failure because you want to You want to protect your kids. Yeah. You feel like you weren't at that time. And I I didn't. Man, it's not like the the trust wasn't there with the neighbor because it was. You know, you, you always trust somebody. You know, I mean, it'd be just like a family member. You know, you leave the house, living, uncle, living, relative. The trust is there. Hey, we're going, we're going out to dinner. We're going to go catch a movie. You know, y'all, you talk to your kids. Y'all going to stay with uncle so-and-so. He's going to take care of you. Well, there's trust there on the, on, on the parent's part and from the child's part. They never see that devil coming around the corner and whispering in the uncle or the aunt or the neighbor going, hey, let's try something. Mm -hmm. They trust you. They're not going to tell nobody. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where girls, even boys nowadays, I think that's where they, they fail because you know, like my dad said, I, I wasn't a failure. I taught my daughter what was appropriate and what was not appropriate. That's right. My daughter felt safe with me and my wife to immediately tell us. And that's where I did not fail. I can't keep, you can't keep your kids from everything. Things are going to happen. That's right. The idea as a parent is you let them know that when something like that does happen, that they're not going to be ridiculed or held responsible or the fault put on them when something like that happens. And I think that's where kids nowadays fail to realize that if I speak up, well, I'm going to be held. People are going to look mad at me. Me. Yeah. I'm going to be, my, my parents aren't going to believe me. And that kind of made me feel a little better when my dad told me that. And then uh, we ended up uh, my wife ended up waking up. My daughter developed severe 
anxiety over this. I think this will happen, oh, she was fourth grade, maybe, fourth or fifth grade. She missed like first three months of school just because she would go and she would literally think that this guy was going to dress up like my wife and come check her out of school. And then her, her bedroom literally faced this guy's house. And then my wife just all of a sudden woke up one day. She was like, I can't live here no more. Can't do it. I mean, you turn, as soon as you turn on our street, boom, you're looking at this guy's house. And he was, they, I mean, they, 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 they came up with safe words in case my daughter didn't think something was right. Uh, which I think every every parent ought to do that. I really do. Every parent ought to come up with safe words that only you and your kids know. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. Uh, but my wife said, hey, I can't live here no more. Well, that very next day, I was on the phone with a realtor. Uh, we were packing up our house that next day. And one week after she said she couldn't live here, our house was empty. I was living at my mother-in-law's house. Nowhere to go. No house, no nothing. We were selling our house. You know, and I prayed, you know, my wife and my wife prayed that, you know, for the house to sell quick, and it did. Within one month, our house was gone. And, you know, That's I would... pretty fast. It, is, it was. And, but we still had nowhere to go. And... That was fine with me. You know, I, I started getting, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I was getting messages from from guys, you know, telling me about how this guy was doing in jail. And he was getting beat up every day. And I found peace in that. Comfort. I welcomed it. Every morning I welcomed this, this message. Uh... I stopped going to church. I stopped praying. There was a lot of hate, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger towards God, uh, which I think with any trauma that ever happens to anybody, the first thing they're going to ask is, why did God allow this to happen? Uh, and that was me. I held God fully responsible for this. Uh, knowing in the back of my mind that that responsibility was misplaced, but I, I had to blame somebody. You know, I kind of basically took all the blame off myself because there's really nothing I could have done unless I was physically there. Uh, but if I was physically there, then I, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And then uh, four years, I was out of church four years. I didn't pray four years. If anybody talked to God, I'd be like, hey, that's not, we're not talking. No, we're not going there. You you keep God on over there in your conversation. You leave God out of my out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was at. Uh, I didn't pray. I wasn't teaching my kids how to pray. Uh, I wasn't. We didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about this. You know, we talked about it if the situation came up, if the conversation came up as a family, we talked about it. But it didn't drive our family apart. We actually drew closer to each other. Uh, 
it's kind of hard to explain, but we kind of relied on each other to get us through this because we really didn't, other than our immediate family, our parents, we didn't really have anybody, you know. Uh, so was your wife praying and, and seeking God? I think she was. Uh, I don't really think she ever stopped. Uh, you know, neither one of us really ever stopped believing in God. Our faith was still strong. But I, it's it's kind of hard for me to put faith in somebody that you are holding all this hate and all this anger for. Uh, because my the innocence of my daughter was was stolen and I couldn't fathom that I didn't want I didn't want to say that there was some kind of good got to come out of that I mean how can any good come from that I mean, that's to me, that was impossible to imagine. How can a God be so good? And you hear countless and countless times as a believer that God uses everything for his glory. And in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there going, how can you possibly use this to glorify you? This was just straight evil. And how can you use that? So I just I quit putting my faith in him. And for four years, I was out of church, didn't pray, didn't care to pray, didn't want to pray. I found peace and comfort with hate. Mm -hmm. I found peace and comfort with anger. At first, it was anger and resentment towards him, towards God, towards this just predator. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even want to, uh, I, I did... I still, I still don't think I could probably say his name. Okay. Did that change come about pretty immediately afterwards, or was it like a gradual change? With the anger? Yeah. Towards? Towards God. Towards God, no. It, was, pray, was, it, it was, was pretty much not wanting to pray, kind of gradually led up to it. But the hate and anger was immediate. I mean, just that's all I felt was hate and anger. And I carried that. And... The longer I carried that, the more hate and the more anger I got. At first, it started with God, then it, and this this guy, and then it turned to coworkers, then it turned to family members, and then it turned to just everybody in general. If I didn't want to talk to you, don't mess with me. Kind of spun out from there. It just kind of. You know, it's like a disease, basically. Like a, I mean, it was just, it was, and I can look back on it now, and you can, I can see the gradual progression of the hate and the anger. Because once I accepted that as part of my life, then it was just like okay, so, and it just kind of spread like a wildfire. Just anybody that I came in contact with, it's just like nope, I won't talk to you. Nope, I won't talk to you. Yeah. You know, leave me alone. You know, I wouldn't show that and as soon as I, of course as soon as I walked in my house it was you know leave the anger and hate at the door okay you know I, we can't show that don't show that to your kids don't show that to your wife so it was happy face and this and that and going about the happy husband happy father type stuff mm -hmm. but as soon as I walked out the door oh there's that anger 
Yeah. Let's put that back on. Back, back, back on. Yeah. And I carried that around for four years. And uh, wasn't going to church. We stopped going to church. Uh, my wife is still not in church, but I, I think there's some kind of there's there's a underlying. I don't think it's all about this now. I think there's other things at play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's doing Bible study with the pastor's wife, Sarah. How about that? That's good. That's awesome, and she loves it. Oh man, these 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 women have just embraced her, and they love her to death. But and she and my wife is very funny, and she's very once you get to know her, she's awesome. Yeah. But. For four years, I I didn't want nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with church, nothing to want to do. I didn't want anything to do with God. And then, and still for four years, you know, you know, kind of flashing back, backtracking a little bit. You know, I called my dad after that happened, like I said, and that's when he told me, I, you know, I wasn't a failure. And then I called Trey McGuire. And I told him what had happened, and he was there in 10 minutes, you know. And he prayed with me over the phone, and for four years, oh, man, yeah, for four years, I got a text every day from him. Hey, man, love you. I love you, Bubba. And I still get texts from him saying that. And uh, every Saturday for four years, hey, man, I'll see you in church. Man, I'm not, I'm not coming to church. I think he was still, I want to say he was still at Bel Air at this time. Uh, and then he, he moved over to, I think it was Broadmoor or Brookwood. And then bounced over and then started going to Freedom Church. And then uh, he'd sent me a text one day and he's like, hey man, I'll see you at church. Uh, he's like, man, I'm at this new church. It's Freedom Church on Airline Drive. And I was, something in the back of my mind, I was like, just go. You know, satisfy Trey. You at least owe him that. You know, after walking through, you know, I sent him a text the other day and told him thank you. You know, because basically he was hand in hand. We walked through hell together. And just for clarification for people listening, Trey McGuire is a local ministry man really he's involved in lots of different mm-hmm. churches Warrior he's Network. the warrior network he does sound for different churches he does ministry work and he's just really integrated awesome. into the community really yeah. nice nice about just to I, shout him out a little bit yeah, yeah to have to you for for you to say that he texts you every day for four years four years that is just something i have I never just heard of so tells you the kind of guy he is yeah. kind of persistent boldness persistent you know? love is yeah, what exactly. i called it persistent love it wasn't it wasn't, there was no reply needed. Mm-hmm. It was not that waiting on him, sitting by the phone, why not, that guy didn't text me back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reply needed. Just, hey man, I love you. I'll see you in church. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to freedom. And then I told my wife, I said, you know what, I'm going to go try this new church out. See what this thing's about. And I said, she's like, really, why? I'm like, you know, what could, what's the worst thing that could happen? Nothing. That's the absolute worst thing that could happen. I could leave out of that church and nothing changed. That's the worst. That's not. That's that's the worst thing that could happen. 
our lives would go back doing the same thing as we're doing all day long. I'll be hateful, I'll be angry, I'll be miserable, we'll all be miserable. That's the worst thing that could happen. So the best thing that could happen is everything. Everything changes. So why not give it a shot? Yeah. Uh, and man, when you walk in those doors at freedom, it's power. It was. Was that about two years ago? That was right at two years ago. It was two years ago. Yeah, it was about two years ago. Uh, it was. I remember it was right before Easter. It was probably a couple months before Easter, about two years ago. But man, the 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 feeling in there, you know. And I, I said I, I grew up, been in church my whole life, uh, raised in church. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. The feeling was different. I mean, yes, it's church, and it's just like any other church, but the atmosphere was different. It, it's kind of hard to explain. It was thick. Yeah. And it wasn't the people. It wasn't the building. It wasn't the pastor. It was God. And it was basically like... You know, you walk into your grandma's house after not seeing her for so long, and she gives you this big, warm, just hug, saying, "Where have you been?" And that was that was Jesus. That was God saying, "Hey, where you been? I've been here. I'm, I wasn't pushing you. I was using these people to get you back here because I've been here waiting for you." And that was just like okay all right I, I feel it and then I sit there and I listen to to uh, Tim the pastor and it was just like I was the only one in the room and I was like surely this this guy's not just I'm, I mean I had to literally look around to make sure people were still in the room because he was just exactly what I wanted to and needed to hear mm. And I've told I've told Pastor Tim this every time. Every time you go in there, it's exactly what you need to hear. Right. And it's it's I don't want to say it's strange. That's a Jesus thing, though. But it's a it's God like thing. <laughs> I mean, it's every week. You know, it's like it's like Jesus is the head of the church. It's not so much Pastor Tim. Absolutely. So like flows his ideas and from, from and Jesus. Luckily, we we have a pastor that is. Like I told him the other day, imperfect, absolutely, oh, yeah. but worthy. Oh man, that guy is worthy, worthy, worthy. Like he likes to say, we don't go to church, we do church. We do church, and it's, you know, it's, and I walked out of that church that day, and it was different. I felt different. The hate and anger was still there because I didn't want to let it go. It was, it was an addiction now. After four years, I was addicted to that feeling. But something was different. I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it. And I remember walking inside the ha my house, and my wife looked at me and she goes, something's different. Something's different. And I was like, well, I don't know, feel the same. So, whatever. And then the next Sunday rolled around, the next Saturday I get the same text from, Tim, from Trey. 
man I see in church. Why not? Maybe that maybe that was just a, a one time thing. So I went back the next Sunday, and uh, nope, it wasn't a one time thing. I mean, it was just it was still there. I mean, it was. And then again, I got to hear a powerful message of exactly what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I think maybe seven or eight months later, I was in Hebner, Oklahoma. And I think the, the power had gone out. Something had gone out. I was watching TV and something had happened to where the TV went out. So I was just sitting there laying, sitting on the bed just in silence, you know, what nothing to do. And just something overcame me and I just broke down in tears. And I started thinking about all that day, that four years ago. And it was just, you know, I just hit my knees and I just screamed, practically screaming at God saying, where were you? How could you let this happen? I mean, this was my daughter my 10 year old daughter and she will her life will forever be changed because of this one instance my life has forever changed my wife's life has forever changed where were you and then something flashed back in my head of when my daughter was explaining to us what had happened that day and i didn't really hear it the first time when she said it but i vividly recalled her saying Something told me to leave. For during 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 what was going on, something told me to leave while he was trying to do this, and I grabbed my friend's hand, got up, and left. And so I was as I was sitting there screaming at God, asking him, "Where were you?" And he basically, and I sat there and I waited for an answer. I didn't care if it took all night. I was getting my answer that night. I was fed up with it. And he's like, who do you think told her to leave? And I was just kind of fell back on my knees. And I was like, what? You were there? How? I mean, and then... I just kind of sat there in silence and, you know, I was kind of, I mean, I was out of complaints. I was out of, I was out of my bags of my stones to throw at God, you know. My answer was, I found my answer. He was there. I mean, it could have been 10 times worse than it was. But because he stepped in and said, leave, get out of here. The devil is here, leave. And she, being who she is, followed God's voice and just left. And I was like, wow, really? Okay. What else do I need to to learn about this? And as the years kind of went on, I mean, granted, that's been, well, six years ago now, this year. You know, God, you, you know, I went back to that. God will use everything for his glory. Yeah. At some point, you may not see it. You may not understand it. You may not 
even believe that that's possible because that's where I was at. And then it wasn't until middle school, my daughter was in middle school, I think it was seventh, seventh grade maybe, uh, I had a friend of hers was going through the exact same thing with a living uncle. And my daughter is very adamant about what happened to her. She doesn't hide what happened to her. Uh, she's very vocal about what happened to her. And I keep calling, you know, I say she's my hero because, I mean, she basically stood up and said, look the devil in the face and said, you're not going to beat me. Hmm. And then a friend of hers was uh, going through the same thing. And she basically, she knew Caitlin's story. She knew Caitlin's background. And she told my daughter what was going on with her and she's like I want to tell somebody I'm just scared you know will you come with me you don't have to talk just let me feed off your strength yeah. and they did and they put a stop to that and then she's she's using that as a platform which is awesome uh, she's wanting to be a child psychologist yeah uh which I think is just amazing. And then, uh, I kind of lost my track, but we, I started going to Freedom. And just, it was just one of those churches where you walk in the doors and you just can't help but fall in love with being there. And it's not, it's, you know, eventually you fall in love with the people that go there eventually fall in love with the message and the, the pastor and the, his wife and, and just but the Holy Spirit is so thick in this church that you cannot help but change you can't do it you can fight it all you want to but eventually God will win every single time if you let him yeah. uh, and it was an Easter it was exactly one year I'd been there one year and it was Easter Sunday and Trey was down front, and I went down, and I just said, man, I'm I'm tired of carrying this weight. I'm tired of carrying this hate. I'm tired of carrying this anger. And I left it there at the altar. And then, uh, man, just walking out of there that day, I was just lighter. I was happy. And five was it five years six years five years uh i can honestly say i was happy i was not a care in the world really and i was like wow okay if i can do that then you know i'll I'll get my kids start coming here maybe something will change Mm -hmm. and man once i once i gave god that once i let him have it i stopped trying to control it once i said okay you control it I will, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of carrying this. And then my kids started going there and then we were there for a year and both of them were saved. Both of them were baptized. Yeah. Uh, my son who, if you've ever met my son, if you ever do meet my son, uh, man, your life will never be the same because he is, he's absolutely amazing. Uh, wants to be a pastor. Uh, 
hearing him pray will just <laughs> make you feel not worthy to be a Christian. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, he's got a true, just, I mean, he is on fire for God and it, he's making me want to be a better Christian. And, you know, the Bible says, and a child shall lead them. And I I do my best to set a a godly example as a father, but, man, just watching this kid is just absolutely, it blows my mind at how how strong his faith is. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm praying just every day. I'm I'm doing devotion every day. My son's doing devotion every day. He's already filled up. I think two notebooks full of notes from his devotions and uh, it's just from from where from where I was six years ago to where I am now you can I can literally go back to each and every day and I can see God at work whereas I was completely blind to it at the beginning because I was so filled with hate. And that's what the devil does. He, he, he finds something that you're passionate about that you love, whether, you're, whether it's your job, whether it's your kids, whether it's your wife or your husband. And he attacks that. I mean, he's not going to go for the small things because that's not, he's going to go for what's going to hurt you the most. And with my kids, that's where I was the most vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, and that's where he attacked. And I hate to say we let him in, but he all he needs is a crack. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get in there. He's going to weasel his way in there, and that's exactly what he did. It didn't destroy our family, but and that's not what he was after. He was after to pull us away from God, which he succeeded. Yeah. And he did for four years. And I don't know what it was. It was just, I don't know if it was Freedom Church. I don't know if it was Trey. But God was using them both. And right now I'm exactly where God wants me to be. My kids are exactly where God wants them to be. My wife is exactly where God wants her to be. And looking back six years ago to where I am now, I could not ever say that I would be here without Trey, without my wife, who was probably the strongest one through the whole thing. Uh, did Did it bother her? Yes. Uh, did she cry about it? Absolutely. Uh, but she she's kind of always been the rock that holds the glue, basically that holds our family together. When especially when times are tough, and she was a soldier then, she still is a soldier. Uh, but you. you I hate to say that that I hated God at the time, but I did. And I think any any parent, I hate to say that any parent would do that, but I know I did it. I hated him. I, I hate to even admit that, but I did for four years. And it was hard not to 
say, okay, well, I mean, this is this is what it is. This is where we're at in our life. You know, we'll deal the best we can. But, you know, my blame was at God. My hate was at God. My hate was towards this man. Uh, but it wasn't until I was in Oklahoma where I kind of got put in my place. Uh, by him saying that he was there. But. Well, I think the current statistic right now is that one in four women will be sexually assaulted at some point mm -hmm. in their lifetime. That's just the women. That's not including any men, any boys, and every single one of those people have mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandparents yep. who are going through a lot of the same emotions that you are because it mm -hmm. doesn't just hurt a person it also you know that kind of spreads out to the whole family right what would you say to those people who are in the midst of what you were going through for those four years the, what would I say to the parents yes don't lose your faith don't don't live in hate don't live in anger uh, it does hurt uh, it's not a good feeling when something like this happens, especially to your child, uh, there's absolutely nothing you can do. Nothing good will come out of being hateful. Nothing good will ever come out of being angry all the time. That anger will eventually turn towards your kids. Your kids don't understand what's going on. Uh, just be strong. Have faith. Uh... And, and do it, I, I would hate to say put on a happy face because there's no way that's possible. But lean on family members, lean on trusted ones, uh, and don't be afraid to talk about it. I mean, I think that's the problem with nowadays that everybody just, oh, you know, don't talk about it. Yeah. If we don't talk about the problem, the problem will go away. Right. The problem does not ever go away, mm -hmm. and it will never go away. It will always, once once the incident happens, it is there for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. You cannot change it. You can't erase it. You can't take it back. The best thing to do is get with people who know how to deal with the situation and talk about the problem, whether it be a psychiatrist, whether it be a counselor, whether it be your pastor, or whether it be a, your, your parents or your even your wife. We never talked about it. For four years, we didn't talk about it. We talked about it if you, well, we'll talk about it if you want to. Yeah. Type deal. Yeah. But nobody wanted to talk about it. I, I certainly didn't want to talk about it. I see. You know, so if, if I had any advice for any parent going through that, going through the same situation, talk about it. Talk about it with your kid that's going through it. Let her know. Let him know. Because it's not just girls anymore. It's boys, too. Mm. Let them know they're not at fault. There's no blame. There's no ill will pointed in their direction. As a parent, it's your job to comfort your kids. Do that. But also, as man and wife, talk about it. Let it out and open. Let the bottle breathe, in other words. Mm -hmm. Don't just put a cap on it. Because if you put a cap on it, what's going to happen over time? You're going to build pressure 
and eventually you're just going to explode over whoever's in your path and that's exactly where i was headed No, I think that's wonderful. Thank you so much because I think that a lot of people, you know, don't realize how much that affects an entire, entire family, what everybody goes through. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty amazing testimony. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add, Mr. Clay? I do not. Well, this was Clay Luter, and you're li- listening to uh, Witness Podcast, and we really appreciate appreciate you coming on, being vulnerable. Uh, I know I felt the Holy Spirit a Absolutely. few times. Um, even when you wrote me, you know, the the prior, before coming on, when yeah. you wrote me about it, I was, you know, God, God, in other words, Jesus wanted you on. It didn't yeah. matter what I wanted or anybody actually, else wanted. There at the beginning, I, we were talking and I told you, I actually literally had to stop while I was writing that. I mean, I was just overcome with tears. Yeah. And basically just said, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to get through this. Mm. And it was, like I said, looking back, you could literally see God going, all right, nope, you go here, nope, you go here, nope, I'm going to put this guy in your path. Yeah. You know, and this is where I want you. But these are the people that I'm going to use to get you there. And there's so many lessons in your testimony, like following Jesus, uh, how he just he he follows us yep. and, and cares for our family and he's so intimately in everything that has to do with our lives Absolutely. he's so loving um, that's one of the reasons we do this podcast to glorify him mm-hmm. uh, so he's an amazing God Absolutely. okay well we really appreciate it like we said uh, thank you guys for listening And we'll see you with the next episode, hopefully very, very soon. Thanks for listening to Witness Podcast. You can now find us on social media. For Instagram, it's at Witness Pod. For Facebook, we're at Witness Podcast. And you can also email us if you have any questions or testimonies of your own at witnesspod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time.